Greetings and welcome back to the Norman Lowell interviews. Today we are discussing a more contemporary issue, globalization, or more specifically, the threat of globalization. I am your host, Julian, and today I'm joined by Norman Lowell. Thank you for joining me, Norman. Thank you, Julian. Always a pleasure. Uh, this is podcast number six. Again, I want to stress or invite our adherents to diffuse these podcasts as widely as possible, because these are our legacy. They form a 360-degree outlook on the world. They are the basis of our political philosophy. So, podcast number six, The Threat of Globalization. Millions of television viewers around the world watched with amazement the Genova riots in 2001 by thousands of seemingly idealistic youths. The message that came across from the world's controlled media was that these youngsters were protesting against the G8 and globalization in favor of the oppressed and downtrodden peoples of the third world. The Seattle's youngsters, as they were called, screamed their demands to the world leaders. Abolition of debts owed by the poor countries of the world. Billions of dollars loaned by banks, owned by shareholders, all of us who will have to forsake our earnings and further investment. In a nutshell, money down the drain. Investment of billions of dollars to stop the spread of AIDS so that the world's poor nations can carry on with their feckless fecundity and then demand more aid of us, more loans to prop them up and, of course, further abolition of these future debts. The opening of our borders to the burgeoning billions because... The world is big enough for all of us. And once we open the borders, the automatic right of immigrants to free hospitalization, schools, jobs, welfare, and everything we Europeans have worked for and achieved in our battle for survival and evolution. The whole thrust of these demanding demonstrators was that globalization is a sinister tool by the rich nations, namely white countries of European stock, against the poorer populations of the world. Nothing could be further from the truth. So, globalization, this sinister tool, as the youngsters call it, or this threat as we are referring to it, what is this threat exactly and its implications? Very good. Well, globalization aims at the gradual, total liberalization of the market on a global level. The freedom of movement of labor on a world scale. This means that labor will soon become a commodity as any other. Tomatoes, cucumbers and computers 
labor would become expendable to be bought and sold, disposed and acquired, hired and fired at will. Il mercato del lavoro. This obviously presents a threat to the best paid, best qualified persons on the planet, in whatever field they may operate. More, planetary liberalization of movement of labor and capital, added to the liberalization of labor laws, would mean a lowering of wages, salaries and standards, as capital and productive means move to less demanding areas of the globe. At the same time, liberalization would induce a massive immigration by the have-nots into the European nations. Such immigration would bring direct labor competition, forcing down wages and standards of the Europeans. Eventually, it would mean massive unemployment of whites. Socially, all the above would turn into a racial time bomb, which would, which would make Oldham, Bradford and Liège mere minor riots. More awesome is the genetic catastrophe, which the inevitable miscegenation with the immigrants would bring about. It is obvious from what I have just said that the real threat of globalization is not directed at the poor downtrodden nations of the world. The threat, and a very real one, is directed against us, the Europeans, that biological aristocracy of the planet, that minority of 5% of the world's population, which has given humanity everything it now enjoys. The threat is nothing less than the physical elimination of the Europeans. Clearly, from what you've just explained, these implications are bringing around chaos. Could you explain who's gaining from all this chaos? Yes. Qui bono? Who gains from all this? Who gains from all this confusion and chaos? Who is behind the willful destruction of the highest civilization ever to grace this planet and graze the moon? What is there to gain from the lowering of standards, wages, and the very rule of law? Well, as Disraeli himself once said, the world is ruled by unseen hands. The politicians we see strutting about on the world stage are but passing stooges, puppets in the hands of immensely powerful clans, who are in power not for a mere four-year democratic term, but for generations. The world leaders we saw whining and dining at Genova are mere passing politicians, small fry doing the bidding of those behind them, the plutocrats. These international manipulators, whose dream is a one-world government, with themselves lording over a multi-racial planetary mass. A tiny group of plutocrats would become masters of the planet, picking and choosing the right labor for the right job, wherever it suits them, paying the very minimum wage which cutthroat competition will permit them to impose. 
a group with a burning sense of mission for world power, an incredible disdain for the rest of humanity, a humanity reduced to a world population of rootless, obedient slaves with no sense of ethnic identity, squabbling amongst themselves and ruled through the incessant filth of the media. Lemmings, couch potatoes with no mind of their own, ready to acquiesce, to sink ever lower, to procreate, consume and obey. <clears throat> In this regard, it is noteworthy that the world's media, controlled by the international manipulators, racially exclusive and ethnocentric themselves, pushes miscegenation both in the entertainment field as well as the news. The target are young white women who are induced to cohabit with blacks. White male youths are the resonated, morally disarmed of their ethnic and racial pride. Mixed couples are made to look cool and doing the in thing. Crime by blacks on whites, statistically overwhelming when the two races live together, are covered up or downplayed. White crime on blacks, though few, are exaggerated and overplayed. Whites are made to look cruel, callous, stupid and mean in the media, while blacks are portrayed as heroes, victims and role models. Throughout the news, the tribe, who form the majority of the international manipulators, are portrayed as an oppressed, long-suffering people, to whom the world owes an eternal debt. Palestinians are terrorists, who must be hunted down and exterminated, even if this should mean a real holocaust of six million Palestinians. So, this tribe... These plutocrats, as you, as you have described them, you've said they, they are hiding behind world leaders. So to say, our world leaders are acting as a smokescreen. What is the smokescreen behind which the enemy hides? Correct. The smokescreen for the sinister plan are the third world. Famine, the world's poor. Debt by poor nations, AIDS. Racism of whites towards blacks. A close look on TV of the front row demonstrators, the ringleaders, reveals that the Seattle suckers, suckers protesting against the G8 were led by young, vicious and venomous members of that same international tribe, the usual mischief makers, acting as Judas goats. In Italy, it was the same, with Casarini, Casas, inciting youths, calling out for war. Today, it is the same with Antifa. For those of us who remember, it was just the same in the USA in the 60s. Then, the smokescreen was the Vietnam War, and the terrorist organization at that time was the Weatherman Underground Movement. Its members planted bombs all over the USA, killing dozens of innocent people. The Weatherman 
leadership was entirely tribal. All rich members of the usual tribe, young university graduates with affluent parents living in exclusive suburbs. A case in point was Dorn, convicted for 25 bombings which killed and maimed many. Tribal judge Saraya gave Dorn three years probation, stating that she has already suffered much. Today, the Seattle dupes unwittingly aid their very enemies. Those young suckers do not realize that it is themselves and their children who are the target of this sinister world force, this Moloch. It is themselves who will be first out of a job, their children who will, who will see their standards of living plummet to that of the third world. The Seattle youngsters are today prime lemmings. So, from what you've described, this smokescreen is very intricate, very interconnected. Finance, wars, what is the crux of, of all this, this underlying cause? So important. It is the apex of capitalism and communism. Let me explain. Two senseless world wars instigated, manipulated and perpetrated by the same international manipulators left the European bled white. The emerging victorious ideologies were liberal capitalism and Bolshevism, two sides of the same coin. For liberalism, parliamentary democracy, socialism, communism and the modern tyranny of plutocratic capitalism, ostensible enemies have the same matrix, the same goals, anti-hierarchy, anti-spiritual. Now, this is important, what I'm about to say. It's the whole thrust of this podcast. Today, communism and financial capitalism meet at the highest point. The apex of communism today is nothing else than the multinationals. Huge conglomerates with a multiracial, unseen board of directors, more often than not manipulated by one or two of the usual tribe, operating from some unreachable hidden headquarters. And below them, far, far below them, millions of shareholders, blind as to the operations, the machinations, the goals of their all-powerful, mysterious Moloch. The quarterly document denoting the dividend keeps the millions of minions contented and quiescent. Today's multinationals are nothing else but the meeting point, the convergence, the apex of both communism and capitalism. You must understand this. In the approaching global free market, millions of whites will go unemployed. The first to be hit will be the best paid and so on, till the effects of globalization 
finally trickles down to the very bottom of the barrel. Waves of third worlders will swarm in and take over our jobs, only to be replaced by even more destitute populations, till the lowest level of wages and salaries would be reached for each category of jobs. And this is already happening everywhere. In Assam, India, the native population, though one of the poorest in the world, is losing jobs to neighboring Bangladeshi immigrants. The, Im the Indian police do not have the means to track the thousands crossing the frontier every week. Indian capitalists regularly corrupt the police force, which turns a blind eye. As some Indians, jobless and in desperation, are hacking to death the Muslim intruders by the hundreds. A clear case of ethnic cleansing ignored by the controlled media. And in Europe? Look at Hena High Street where the butchers, the bakers, the grocer, the fishmonger, even hardware shops are hard to find. In the country areas, bank branches are closing. Small manufacturers can no longer compete and they go out of business. Everywhere. The original inhabitants are being elbowed out by swarming immigrants ready to work longer hours at lower wages. Okay, so far, Norman, you've described to me the threat, what's behind this. Uh, we've now arrived at the last question. I wanted to conclude by asking you, what is the solution to all this? What is the solution then? What is the solution to the G8, to globalization? Simple. The answer is globalization. But a globalization with a difference. A globalization of the European race. A racial globalization. An Imperium Europa on a planetary scale, uniting the four European cousins, the Anglo-Saxons the Teutons, Slavs and Latins, an imperium reserved solely for the European and nobody else. Two white rings will encircle the globe, north and south of the equator. To the north, the imperium will stretch from Ireland to Vladivostok. Across the Bering Strait, it will join Nova America, or Vinland, comprising Alaska, Canada and the redimensioned white USA. In the South, the white man will be the undisputed lord over white Africa, south of the Congo River and the Great Lakes. Australia and New Zealand will become a white continent reserved solely for the European. The sub-Amazonian white cone, as well as the Panama Isthmus and its adjacent territories, will be the white man's sole preserve. Thus the European will control the food-growing areas of the planet. This is our ultimate weapon, the white man's ability to grow a food surplus. No other race is capable of this. The Imperium will trade food for all it needs from the rest of humanity. We will barter enough food to keep them from starving. Nothing Else.
Latin will be our common tongue and capitalism our economic ethos. Capitalism and racialism are not inimical. The former is our creation. We will uphold it among ourselves only. We will not trade or transfer our technology, the fruit of the white man's genius, outside the Imperium. Indeed, we will have a free market throughout the Imperium, with fair, straight competition between productive Europeans. <clears throat> Every region will find its niche of productivity, its optimum produce. Productive men will again assume the economic high ground, as against the speculative financier. We will go back to basics. We will again adopt the gold standard, this time on a planetary basis. All euro issuance will have to be backed by gold, mined from within the confines of the Imperium, or bartered for food from without. <coughs> All white South Africa mines and euros are more than enough. Currency reserves and money in circulation will automatically and directly relate to the gold reserves and currency. Inflation would finally cease to plague the European man. We will reduce our income tax to a 10% flat rate for everybody, without distinction as to his wealth. No tax should be more than this, for our so-called progressive taxation penalizes the rising entrepreneur. Capital accumulation is impossible for him. Meanwhile, the established rich are already there. They do not need to accumulate new capital. What they need is shelter by the tax collector from competition. The established rich in our present system are the staunchest advocates of progressive taxation for others. Tax collection will be used to operate the Imperium, the army, the police and the regional government. It is for these purposes and for very little else that the Imperium will collect the 10% tax from all. For when a growing percentage of tax collected is used not to operate the government but for the express purpose of redistribution of wealth, then that is a flat rejection of the concept of freedom and private property. We will reduce government to a minimum in the dominium sphere. Socialism as a frame of mind will be finally extirpated. There will be no welfare in the future Imperium, no social benefits, no minimum wage, no children allowance, nothing, but nothing will be free except the minds of man. Instead, there will be a studied reduction of working hours in preference to wage increases, an ever-increase in technology to compensate production, and most important of all, an investment in lifetime education of European workers, turning them from mere productive citizens to persons we will finally achieve that most ambitious of all goals, the reversal of productive man, homo economicus, into the complete man, the superman. 
yes, capitalism in a racial context within an imperium Europa. A Europe not of merchants, bankers and bureaucrats, but an imperium Europa of high planetary politics and peoples. All the different regions and peoples of the white world. Then we can turn our full attention to harnessing nature and conquering space. We will carry the Imperium to the furthest reaches we can strive for. Ave! Uh, thank you, Norman. That concludes our sixth podcast on the threat of globalization. For those who listen to this podcast and are interested in joining Imperium Europa, you can email info at imperium-europa.org. Uh, I think I can leave it here. Thank you once again, Norman, Pleasure. and we will have you with us next time. Thank you.